You know, I saw a quote, and I don't remember where I saw it, but it was a good quote, nonetheless. And the quote went a little something like this. Reporting is telling the truth that no one wants to hear. Everything else is just PR. So that's why I'm here right now, to work against the PR of the National Football League. Hey, boys and girls, you're being lied to. The National Football League doesn't care about player safety. The National Football League cares about owner safety. Safety of their wallets, safety against lawsuits, and that's why your game is being turned into something that you don't recognize. And you know what? I don't feel bad about saying that. I want to create a forum here. I want to create an open landscape for all of you listening right now to feel free to be politically incorrect and say player safety has gone too far. Because it has. To the point that what the NFL is now doing in the name of player safety might actually be putting players at further risk. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. 412-333-9939. If you didn't hear us earlier, I gave the story about how the National Football League Players Association has said that they weren't consulted about this new helmet rule. The lowering of the helmet, which could cause for future penalties and ejections. And the reason they weren't is because they know that it's too nebulous, there's too much gray area, and the National Football League is pushing this through just to make themselves look good and protect themselves against future lawsuits. Now, the horse is out of the barn, the toothpaste is out of the tube when it comes to the whole concussion thing, and they're barely over that and still trying to protect themselves from future lawsuits in that regard, but now they've got to worry about something else. And that's things like, for instance, what happened to Ryan Shazier last year, and that's neck injuries. And that's part of the reason why they are where they are with this new legislation that the NFLPA didn't even know was going to happen. And the National Football League Players Association probably wouldn't have signed off on what was pushed through by the competition committee because they weren't consulted by it. And they would have to say somewhere along the way, look, part of the reason you're seeing us lower our heads as much as we are is we're afraid to hit anybody else in the head. So we're lowering our heads because if we make helmet-to-helmet contact, we're going to get a flag and cost our teams a football game. And you know, you hear guys like Rich McKay th- say things like, we have to make rules like this because concussions were at an all-time high. There's been a spike in concussions. Well, of course there were. That's not bad news. You're diagnosing them better now. You're tracking it better. You're doing what you're supposed to do. But... As the NFL continues to cannibalize itself to protect itself from potential lost revenue over lawsuits, I think at some point or another, eventually, people are going to reject the game because they don't recognize it anymore. And, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily open a scab here or go back in time or revisit an old topic, but... When we were going through the litany of reasons as to why people weren't watching the NFL as much, and I still think the biggest reason why that is, and we're all a little too panicked about it, is because people just watch television in different ways. It wasn't as disproportionately off the charts, people watching less football, as opposed to people watching less network TV in general. 
cord cutting, different ways to consume it, people just not watching three hours at a time, people taking things in on Twitter and their phones. It affects everything, not just the National Football League. But while there was reason to that, yeah, there was legitimacy to the anthem thing. There was legitimacy to people not recognizing the game anymore because of the lack of big hits and physical violence and things like that. Uh, People just thinking that the games are too long and the penalties are too much. But I want to ask you the question. For those of you that were watching less, how much of it was because you're not recognizing the game anymore and you're seeing through the cockamamie BS of player safety being what it really is? Not player safety, but the league looking out for its logo in terms of lawsuit protection and owner revenue. 412-333-9939. Let's go to John. He's on line one. Go ahead, John. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, just wanted to comment. I actually am watching less NFL football overall um, due to the rule changes. And secondly, I think the entire idea of this is ridiculous, the player safety. These are college-educated men who have the option of pursuing their college education into a career or going into the NFL. They chose this profession, and no one ever had to tell a boxer that taking too many hits to the head might leave him punch drunk. So these college-educated men have absolutely no ground to stand on. I can't believe the NFL owners actually paid them money for what... Well, I mean, the reason they had ground to stand on before, John, is because they were burying some of the research that they had. Now, though, moving forward, moving forward, I, I think they're being... I don't know if in this day and age you can ever be overly protective against lawsuits since we're all over, no, overly judicious. But No one ever had to tell a boxer of any era that being hit in the head repeatedly over the course of your career might leave you damaged. Oh, I understand that. People are being, no, I get it. People are being intellectually dishonest when they sue the sports that they're playing over head trauma. They are. And they're just trying to get what they can because they lost money along the way. Now, does that mean what the NFL did before was right? No, it doesn't. But shouldn't it be harder to prove that now? I think it should. Since we all know as much as we do and so much has been done in this regard. John calling from the South Hills. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Yeah. Hey, Tim. It's kind of like the same thing that the last guy's saying. But, you know, with other sports, like even if you look at NASCAR, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but if you wreck and you die in a car crash in NASCAR, you don't sue NASCAR after the fact. It's an occupational hazard. These football players need to understand that what they're doing is dangerous, and you can't turn it into flag football just so they can feel safe when they're playing. I think there are better safeguards in place now to let players know what the real risks are, and I would never assume that someone down the line isn't going to sue. I mean, I assume that everybody's going to sue all the time, but if these are the measures that have to be put in place to protect the game from that, then the game itself is going to fall apart. And the discussion that's being put out there about the XFL being relaunched and the new Troy Hines All-American Football League or whatever, some sort of more clearly legally binding agreement, uh, whatever they adopt, then moving forward for the next CBA, then the Players Association, the NFL, have to come up with something better there. Maybe that's kind of like a lost point of discussion about what the next CBA is. Something of that magnitude needs to be written into place about how players can move forward suing medically um, about their health when they sign up and, and put their name on the dotted line for an NFL contract. Uh, I think that's a real damaging element to the game of football right now. 
You can also tweet me at Tim Benz PGH. If you're on hold, stay there. We're going to continue talking about this, and you're going to hear from Kevin Colbert on the prospect of drafting a quarterback. Mike Tomlin working out with Lamar Jackson. We'll hear from him next. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their mock might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh yes. The X at 105.9. Matt Mertz Plumbing, count on a name you can trust. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. You know, I told you Ian Happ hit the first pitch out for the Chicago Cubs. First pitch of Major League Baseball season. Giancarlo Stanton, second pitch he saw, he knocked it out too. Oh, you're going to see a lot of that in New York. Uh, this is what Kevin Colbert had to say today on Pro Football Talk dot com about the prospect of the Steelers drafting a quarterback. Do you want to have a guy who learns the ropes under Roethlisberger and becomes the successor, or are you just more concerned and focused on playing and proceeding with Ben, and you worry about finding the next Ben, the next franchise quarterback after he's done? Yeah, I mean, it's really a double-edged sword because you want to give Ben the, the, the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl while he still can. And then you, you also want to recognize that great franchises that go from from uh, from generation to generation and still are successful, they usually have passed it on because of great quarterbacks. Um, you go from San Francisco with Montana to uh, Steve Young, of course, Green Bay from Brett Favre over to Aaron Rodgers. And you, you'd like to be able to do that if it makes sense at that time. So we're always, and it's probably even more current now because every year Ben ages, of course, you have to get ready to replace them. We've tried to add young quarterbacks in the mix to develop. Yeah, that's been Landry Jones and Josh Dobbs, but none of those guys have been threats to Roethlisberger. The one thing Roethlisberger has never had in his career is a threat at backup quarterback. And for a team that's trying to diminish drama, putting a threat at backup quarterback to Ben Roethlisberger is counterproductive. That end goal, I would think, wouldn't you say? I think that that would take Lev Bell and Antonio Brown to crumple it up and throw it in the trash can. You put Mason Rudolph behind Ben this year? Oh, my God. Because you know who's going to be at fault for that? Me. Me. Not going to lie. Mason Rudolph, he's my bro crush. All right, let's go to Phil, who's calling from Indiana. He wants to talk about the whole uh, player safety thing. Hi, Phil. Hey, how are you doing, Tim? Good. So I'm one of those fans that has watched less NFL in the recent years um used to watch pretty much every game now it's pretty much strictly Steeler games and i still play fantasy football and all that but i catch all that news online or on twitter or what have you so that's where my viewership has gone i i don't know if that's a big thing with no i think it's a huge thing i think it's a major reason why but as it relates to the whole getting back to what football used to be thing the the only hope that these two leagues have to take viewers from the National Football League is if their product somehow looks more like football the way we remember than what football currently is in the NFL. Talent-wise, right. they'll never be that. But if the the style of play looks more familiar, that would be their hope. It would be, yeah. It's basically flag football at this point. Yeah, it is, and it's going more and more in that direction. Let's go to Shane, who's calling from Clarksville. Hi, Shane, go ahead. You are on 105.9 The X. Hi, Tim, how are you? Good. So I, want, I wanted to speculate on the, the whole player safety thing. Um, I'm a diehard football fan. I've been watching football my whole life, and I'll probably never stop watching it. But I really think they're starting to take these rule changes overboard a little bit. I mean, eventually, I mean, they're not going to be wearing helmets at all, and it's going to be a flag football league. Um, these players make millions and millions of dollars. You know, they've been playing football their whole life, and 
they know the outcome and they know the consequences and, you know, what it's going to take to play in the National Football League. I mean, I just really think that with these role changes, they're, they're starting to take some of the, the game away, you know, from what it, what it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely they're taking it away. Um, I agree with you, and I think it's something that they've opened the Pandora's box, and uh, they they know the reasons why, and I think they're more intent on protecting themselves than protecting what we're used to seeing as viewers, and therein lies the dilemma. 412-333-9939. Coming up in just a little bit, at the top of the hour, we've got Penguins Hockey, and we've got the Hockey Night Show coming for you at 5.30. Good to hear from Josh Yoey there. We switch gears right now and talk college basketball. And welcome to the program. He is the new head coach of the Pitt Panthers. It's Jeff Capel. Jeff, congratulations on the hire. Looking forward to seeing your run, Pitt. How have things been so far since the press conference yesterday? Hey, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been very busy. Um, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff, you know, trying to get to know our guys better and spending time with them. Um, obviously, meeting a lot of people and. Uh, just a lot of work, but it's been great. It's been great. The people here have been incredibly friendly, incredibly welcoming, uh, and so it's been great. When it comes to talking to the guys, talking to the players, how much of a goal is it of yours to maintain as much of the roster from last year as possible? Some would say, well, they went 0-19, so it's not that important, but you need some players to coach before you bring in your own guys, right? Yeah, I mean, it is important. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to keep as many of them that want to stay, and uh, you know, I, I thought those guys were very close at times last year to having a chance to win. And, you know, it's, it was interesting because without Ryan, you know, it's a very young team. And, you know, the ACC is a very difficult league to win. All, any college basketball league is hard when you don't know how to win at this level. And I thought they were close. I thought it was a team that continued to get better. And I thought they showed improvement as the season went on. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, if they were to stay, we would, you know, have a chance to, to grow a lot next year and to use the experience that, you know, they went through uh, to improve and to get better. And so, you know, I'd, I'd like for as many of them that want to stay and want to be a part of what we're doing to stay, uh, but if their heart's not in it, then, you know, they shouldn't. And if they don't, you know, want to want to work and things like that, then I understand there's no hard feelings. You know, and, and things like that. Jeff Capel with us, new coach of the Pitt Panther basketball team. Jeff, when it comes to recruiting here in Pittsburgh within the ACC, how much of a challenge do you think that has been for Pitt in the past, and how can you address that with your knowledge of this conference now? Yeah, it's hard for me to talk about the past because I wasn't here, so I don't know. I know they've had really good players, um, you know, and maybe guys that weren't like the superstar, highly ranked guy, but. You know, I'll tell you what, Jamel Artis and, and Young were as good as anyone. You know, Patterson and all these guys. I mean, they, they've had some, you know, really good players, you know, over the years. And even before that, obviously. And, uh, but we were talking about just since the ACC. And so, you know, I think when you're in this league, you have a chance to recruit and to get high-level players. Because I think everyone respects the league. It's the best basketball conference. And then when you look at the tradition here at Pitt, when you look at the facilities and the commitment to the program, you know, I think you have a chance to recruit, you know, really good student athletes, uh, you know, that want to be a part of something. And that's our goal is to do that. 
Jeff, I spoke with you yesterday at the press conference, and I just wanted to follow up on you know sort of the timeline and how it took for you to get to Pittsburgh. You mentioned that before your guys' Sweet 16 game at Duke, that's the first call that you got of inquiry from Heather like the AD at Pitt, and you preferred to sort of hold off until Duke was done playing. After the loss then against Kansas, man, this must have been a really quick turnaround. How much had you thought about Pittsburgh as a destination, even if you didn't talk with Heather like between Thursday and the meeting that you had on Monday? I mean, obviously, you know, I thought about it a little bit, you know, in, in times when I wasn't working, you know, in times when I wasn't scouting or doing stuff in preparation for the Syracuse game and, uh, and for the game against Kansas. Now, a lot of time was spent on that, but at times when I laid my head down to, to go to sleep, you know, I'd think about it um, and just think about the situation. I thought about more, more than anything, I thought about, like, being a head coach again and, you know, going through that process and what that would be like. And so, uh, you know, when, when we lost on, on, on Sunday, you know, I, I thought of after, you know, getting over the anger and the disappointment and the hurt, you know, I thought about it more and uh, it didn't sleep much Sunday night and Monday morning got up and, you know, I, I had a long conversation with Coach K about it uh, and about the opportunity and, and about that they wanted to meet and, you know, we, we were going to get together that afternoon and he, you know, got his advice. It was very important for me to get his advice and to get what he thought and, uh, you know, Went over to the meeting. My wife and I talked about it that morning also and went over to the meeting just with open eyes and, and, and with a listening ear and, and had a great meeting. It felt really good, like I mentioned in the press conference. And then afterwards, my wife and I talked. Coach K and I talked a little bit more. Um, and then I made the decision. So that was the timeline of it. It did happen fast, which they normally do. Um, you know, once it gets to a situation like that where it's both parties are really interested and and things like that. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm just honored to have an opportunity to be here and be the leader of this program. Jeff Capel, our guest new pick coach. What did Coach K tell you about what he thought pick could be? And I know you alluded to this yesterday, Jeff, at the podium. You said you picked the brains of some other people who had Big East ties and remember Pitt when it was at its peak. What did they tell you about what the program could be? They just talked about how it was the most difficult place to play, you know, when they were in the Big East, these coaches that were in the Big East when Pitt was there and, and just how electric the place was and, um, you know, just how hard it was to play here and how tough the teams were, how good the teams were, and what a great environment for college basketball. They talked about it being an incredible sports town and that the people, you know, if you win and, and you, you know, put a good product, people come out and they support it. And there are people that love Pitt basketball. Um and so that's kind of the feedback I got from a lot of people. Obviously, the stuff from Coach was a little bit more and a little bit more, you know, into what to look for and what to ask and, you know, and things like that. Uh, but everything that I heard was very, very positive. I talked to, our, to the athletic director at Duke, who I have a great relationship with, Kevin White, and he raved about Heather Like and he raved about Chancellor Gallagher. He knew them, and he raved about them. He raved about the academic part of the institution and you know you know how good that was those are things that I didn't know um, and so I picked his brain because I really value his advice and his guidance and you know once I had all that information and then I met with them and everything just kind of lined up and I felt it and uh, it just felt like the right situation 
Final 30 seconds here, Jeff, because I know you've got to run. We've got our hockey pregame show coming up, too. But I just wanted to ask you, your reaction when you heard that Danny Hurley decided that he was going to go to UConn, did that run right through your mind then? Boy, I'd like that gig. Yeah, I didn't really think about it. You know, I didn't really think about, you know, Danny's thing like that. I know Danny's an outstanding coach, but I didn't really think about it as far as, like, I'm going to pursue this. I was all in for us with our NCAA tournament run, honestly, that's all I was really thinking about. Finally, Jeff, are you satisfied with the way the catch rule has been changed? I know your Twitter game was strong after Jesse James got robbed. I want your analysis. Yeah, I, I, I am. It's just a few years too late uh, they changed that rule, but I am happy that it's it was such a confusing rule. I don't think anyone really understood. Well, what is the, what is the college basketball equivalent of the catch rule? Like, what rule could you change in college basketball that would be akin to that? The charge rule. <laughs> Okay, now as a Duke as a Duke product, and after what happened with you guys against Kansas, I know why you're saying that. But remember, you're talking to a Syracuse guy who remembers the CJ Fair call. So hey I think, man, you Syracuse fan, what about the call up there when Rodney Hood got fired? I mean, got fouled by Raheem Christmas. Oh, I didn't see that. I, I don't know what you're talking about there. I, I didn't see the charge. Either. Oh, totally clean play. Hey, uh, Jeff, thanks a lot for the time. And uh, what, where are your seats, by the way, for Heinz Field? Did you get them on the 50? You got your own box yet? Or, or what's the I story know, there? Man. I got to figure that out. I've never been to an NFL game, so I have to figure out how to make that happen. Oh, there you go. Bob, we got this lined up already. We got our first terrible towel waiver for opening week, right? <laughs> Jeff Capel. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> hey, Jeff, uh, glad that first game could be here at Heinz Field. Glad you're taking over the uh, Pitt program. I think this is going to work out great. I thought it was a great hire by them, and I think you're going to be a perfect fit. I appreciate it. All right, Jeff Capel, head coach of the Pitt Panthers, our guest here on 105.9 The X. Uh, that did kind of come out of nowhere. We were hoping to get Jeff on. There were some moving parts. I didn't want to overbill and undersell, so glad we got him on. We will podcast it if you joined in midway through. Uh, I didn't want to say, hey, we're getting him, and then he's not going to come on. We weren't sure if we could get it on before the pregame show, so we'll podcast it. I'll tweet it out, and uh, Bob will do the same thing on the 105.9 The X page. When we come back, we switch gears to hockey. We'll get into the pregame show, Pens and Devils, tonight on 105.9 The X. It's the Hockey Night Show. Interesting comment from Mike Rupp about what the Pens can do better on defense personnel-wise. That's next. It's the X at 105.9 Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. On your home for the best Pens coverage and the best hockey talk. 105.9 The X. Mike, if you are replacing Mike Sullivan then against the New Jersey Devils, who are your six that you dress and how do you pair them up? My six my six that I would go with, uh, I'd, I'd pull Chris Letang aside and I'd say, uh, Tanger, you're, you're our anchor guy back here. You've got to be our bestie on both sides of the puck. Therefore, we're going to put you with someone who we need you to make them better. So I would stick Justin Schultz with Ryan Dumoulin probably um, and take a, a Chris Letang, whether that's with, with uh, Alexiak or, I mean, honestly, I'd like to even see what a Hunwick would do with him just to see. I mean, that's a lot of minutes. So you, that guy's probably not going to play, but let's see if he can handle it. He's a pro, and he's he's been pretty valuable, Matt Hunwick, in his career when he was with the New York Rangers. Um, they had a year there where, their team was really struggling defensively, and he was one of the better ones, to be honest. And uh, he had some uh, some good time in, in Toronto. I think he has the, the headspace to handle uh, a little bit more. See if he can handle it. If Matt Hunwick is the answer to any question, then the question is too complicated to even ask. I am Tim Benz. I'm in for Mark Madden. This is the Hockey Night Show brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. They got your back, not your wallet. Tonight, 
Pens versus Devils. Make sure you're listening to Play by Play right here on 105.9 The X. Josh Yowie will give us his response to what Mike Rupp had to say there about trying to make the Penguins' defensive zone coverage better on the blue line. He wants to see new personnel and new pairings. To clarify what he was saying there, Schultz and Dumoulin, along with Alexiak and Latang, then Mata and Hunwick. I wouldn't do that. I'd leave Ruedel in. I wouldn't put Hunwick in. I don't think putting Hunwick in at this point makes things better. I think it potentially makes things worse. And I don't think you just say to Chris Latang, okay, do better, and then just hope that it does because you told him to do so. I think he's been trying to do that all year, and that might be part of the problem. He's forcing things to try to make them better, and maybe they're getting worse. Ruedel in real out for Hunwick. No, I don't think that makes things better. I think what might make the defense better more than anything is more help from the forwards, in fact. We'll talk about that next as the Hockey Night Show continues with Josh Yoey from The Athletic next on 105.9 The X.